You are about to listen to our live show from the Hollywood Improv back in January, on January 13th, and we are very excited for you to listen. We have some exciting news to announce next week, and maybe this gives it away. But anyway, enjoy our show. We just wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer for those of you listening with children. Uh, We somehow got carried away with the fact that this venue was 18 and older, and some of the conversations are for um, mature audiences, but it's nothing terrible, I don't think. But we just wanted to give you a dis- disclaimer. Okay, well, enjoy. This is like the scariest thing in the world. It really is. Thanks for coming. We really thought only the 30 friends that we bullied into buying <laughs> tickets were going to be the ones here. So wow. this is cool. Th- and we're at the freaking Hollywood Improv, which is just insane to yeah. think about the amount of crazy, talented comedians that have been up here and we're standing here. Yeah, we don't Why? feel deserving, but someone <laughs> let us in. So. Our ghost let us in. No one knows um, we're actually here. We wanted to start a tradition for live shows. This is our first live show. Oh, yeah. So um, instead of clapping for us, you should boo for us. Because one, it confuses everyone who works here. And two, it's just, you know, we talk about ghosts. So, well, like, and three, if no one likes us, we won't know. We'll yeah, be you super happy in. still. So we'll when like, you yes! like something, boo for us and do your, like, coolest ghost voice. I mean, I guess you could yeah. try it now. It, like... This is excellent work. <laughs> All right, should we? I don't yeah. mind standing. Okay, here we go. Um, we are also the podcast. Two girls, girls one ghost. ghost. And uh, uh, we talk about ghosts. If that's yeah. not self-explanatory. Yeah, we love ghosts. Um, oh shit! We are your ghostesses. Oh, I did no. something already. This is also my computer, and I got really nervous that we forgot to turn off notifications because my cousin's in the crowd, and she's been live texting things that you guys have all been saying. So we have ears in the crowd, and I was nervous that the texts were going to come off and you guys were going to see all yourselves being talked about. It's fine. We don't need this. No, no, it's here. I got it. Oh, there we go. It's always me who causes the technical difficulties. It's we blame no, it on it's the our ghost. ghost. It's not Corinne. It's our ghost. It's our ghost. Um, we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. Hi, you guys. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! That's great! Good job. Their side is catching on faster than the rest of you. <laughs> I would like to apologize for my outfit. No. I started watching Tidying Up on Netflix. And I decided to pack my suitcase Marie Kondo style and didn't realize that that creates wrinkles in your wardrobe. You look amazing. So these are my street clothes. Also, guys, we got a blowout today. We went to Dry Bar and treated ourselves. And we did. Unfortunately, yeah. this is what you get. So Yeah. It's fine. The girls, it was fun. Seriously. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. We here got we are. free champagne. We did. Also, Corinne took a shot of Fireball backstage. and they I got were like, bullied by the staff already. <laughs> they already told me I was an infant. And they were like, they looked at Corinne and they're like, uh, Fireball, are you sure? And How then, old are you? then they stayed there and watched me take it. And I can't fit a whole shot in my mouth. I don't know why everyone else has large mouths and can fit it all. 
but I have to take it in twos. And the guy just stands there and laughs at me. Doesn't even say anything. He just props his elbow up and is like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? She did it. And we did it. We're here. We did it. It's also Sabrina didn't want to drink. She's like, I get too drunk. And then all of a sudden she's ordering multiple shots. So she so might, she might this is going to be fun, guys. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she also has her Apple Watch on and her heart oh, rate. Shit. Was very high. Oh yeah. Okay. So my normal resting heart rate is like sixty-two, Brand and then <laughs> I'm like really healthy. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we were getting ready to come down here, and, and like my heart rate is like 150, and I'm like, I'm not on a treadmill. Like, what's happening? That reminds me of a story. When I was 12 in class, <laughs> we had to do our heart rates, and I thought the higher the better, so I lied. <laughs> I put myself at like 120 when we were just sitting there in class, <laughs> and the teacher was like that's really unhealthy and said in front of all the class and if you remember how you feel when you're 12 it's that everyone hates you and so I was like oh shit this is the most embarrassing thing in my entire life so of course I told my mom who tells a school so then the teacher has to apologize for calling me fat when I was 12 so I'm not going to tell you what my heart rate is I once told a teacher in, in uh, middle school that I loved lava lamps because I thought he was a hippie because he has long hair. And I How thought old he were you? It was like seventh grade. What? So that's inappropriate. Twelve. He was cute. Okay. You're allowed to have crushes. It's normal. At not 12. in today's world. Well, you can have a crush and not do anything about okay. it. Okay. 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 Fine. I was a growing Continue woman. your story. Well, that was it. I just like lava lamps. I didn't actually, <laughs> but I told him my whole room was full of lava lamps because I thought he'd think I was cool. And he, he was like, that sounds like a fire hazard. And I was like, great. <laughs> that sounds great. This worked out well. Sorry, Nick. Love you. <laughs> yeah, Sabrina's boyfriend's here. Yeah. He, I said boyfriends. Back there. Multiple. I have multiple boyfriends. <laughs> multiple. It's me and Nick. So. Basically, okay, doesn't it look like we're on a date and you guys are just watching us? We got <laughs> like this should be our new podcast where you just like take people who are on a date and put microphones in front of them and everyone else just watches. They actually asked if we wanted a table that puts us further away from each other. And we're like, no, we love each other. And I was like, do other people ask for that? Like I only this work with her away. if we're seven feet away. Well, we technically are far away. We're like three thousand miles away every yes. time we work together. So this is amazing. Yes. We're here together with all of you Hi. and it's weird Thanks and for coming. amazing. And we love that you're here. It's so cool. Thank you. If any of you guys arrived early, you may have seen two girls sitting in a car (laughs) recording the next episode on the side of the street right Mm -hmm. here. That was us. It was us. The next episode's going to be so quality. The sound. (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel like a car is a good place to record. Minus there were a few yeah. like people who like to take their like you know cars seriously, and they're like, <laughs> and it's like, why does your car sound like that? I mean, maybe some of you guys do, so we don't want to shit on you. But like, but like, if you have a spare fifty bucks, maybe buy a muffler. Just or saying. get a Prius. That makes no sense. Buy a Prius. And it's like, ooh, yes. Like a everyone shits on Priuses. I like them. I love them. Yeah. And guys who drive them. Also. <laughs> Does Nick have a Prius? Nick has a Prius. Oh, Nick. <laughs> Suddenly, I don't like Priuses. I've changed my mind, and I think your standards need to be bigger. Excuse me. What kind of car do you want your guy to drive? I want him to drive a golf cart, because we're, <laughs> we're going to live in a resort in Hawaii, and that's oh, my life. That sounds nice. I will, I will continue the podcast, though. Oh, thank you. That's all that matters. Um, did you guys know this place is haunted? <gasps> 
It is. Gasps from the crowd. We were upstairs. We also didn't know until we, like, we didn't plan this. We just took whoever would take us, so we yeah, lucked out. Like, you, wanna, you want us here? We're, okay, yeah, we'll do it. But we're free. I had, I'm going to say it's an experience of my own, because the staff here, and maybe they'll tell me that I'm wrong, but when we were upstairs, they keep us upstairs. When we were upstairs, they lock the door. Why yeah. are they locking us in? You are dangerous. But they That's locked why. us in, so every single time they came in to be like, are you guys still alive? Do you need they... another shot of Fireball? <laughs> Corinne? But they, my point is they had to unlock the door. And so they keep coming and going, and they're unlocking the door, and then they leave, and then Sabrina leaves. So I'm alone for like three <laughs> minutes in this room, and the, the door opened fully. The locked fucking door opened, and Sabrina comes back, and I'm like, I don't want to be dramatic, but this place is super haunted. <laughs> So in, to, to calm Corinne down, I said, hello, ghost. Thank you for being here tonight. Yeah. We are so happy to have you. We welcomed um, the ghost in. Please take over us and make this show go great because I might black out. So. Yes. As Someone needs to guide one. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is really intimidating. This is like the anxiety you feel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm pregnant and I'm about to give birth and I've never done it before and they're just now telling me that my perineum will rip open and I'll be in a diaper for two months. Who's ready to catch a baby? It's that, where it's like, you can't stop it. It's too late. So you're just nine months too late. Congrats, it's a boy. I'm going to be a really great mother. So thanks for being here. Yeah, you guys, this is amazing. Drink up. Enjoy. There's dessert. Because then we'll seem so much funnier, and it will be great. Did you notice that there's macaroni and cheese on the menu? Corinne had a real dilemma upstairs of what to order. I was like, I've already eaten so much today, and I'm already wearing my street clothes, and at the time I was going to wear a skirt, so I was like really banking on fitting in the zipper. (laughs) So I didn't order it, and then I got too nervous to eat the salad that I ordered. But yeah. I, I wouldn't have eaten it anyway. It was great. Yeah, Sabrina helped me out. <sighs> Should we uh, I guess talk so. about ghosts? Are I you guess guys so. Ready? Do you want to talk about ghosts? We're gonna panic. I hear it. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. This was a treat. Well, we're in LA, and yeah. so what is LA famous for aside from broken dreams? Um, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Word vomit. Usually we have the power of editing, and so we edit some things out. But now you just get whatever comes to our minds. (laughs) Bill Cosby, apparently. Okay. But we chose to talk about uh, movies and stories based on true events. Yes. And I went first last kind of live show. This is like our first real live show. So seriously, this is a big deal for us. Like this doesn't, it doesn't feel real. I get confused every time you guys boo, and then I remember we told you to. I love it, because it's like, it can only get better, you know? Like, yeah, if yeah. everyone hates us, it's like, okay, good, we can go up. We're doing fine. Yeah. So, yeah, we decided Los movies. Angeles, movies, typical. Scary. Here we Stuff. are. Yeah. Um, as everyone knows, I'm single, so during my research, I had to watch the movie alone. So yeah. I texted Sabrina, getting ready to do my research. And then she goes, oh, well, I'm waiting for Nick to get home. So okay, that- correction. I was like, I cannot watch it alone. I need Nick to be here. And Corinne's but- like, well, I've always been really good at watching scary movies. So- maybe something's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make myself feel better. 
Anyway, I'm going first this yes. time because last time you went first Correct. when we were at the festival. Yeah. So I guess I'll start and I'll try to remember what I wrote. Cool. All right. In 1980, the movie The Changeling came out. Have you guys seen it? It's Boo, kind of, if you have. It's kind of old, so. Wow, no one's seen it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you guys Great. shocked. <laughs> this is good, because actually the movie is, like, pretty much, like, cut and paste, the actual story. So I was like, fuck, if someone's seen The Changeling, they're already going to know everything I'm saying. <laughs> okay, good, so no one's seen it. So this is one of the movies. It's, like, really sticks to the book, you know? It's a good one. Okay, so 1980, the movie The Changeling comes out. Basic synopsis of the movie. This man from New York, he's a music composer, and he goes on a trip with his family. He has a wife and he has a daughter, and they get in a car accident sort of thing, and they die, and he survives, and he's like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this. I have to move away. Like, New York reminds me of my family. So he moves out to Seattle, and he moves into this, like, mega mansion um, Sounds nice. I know. Sad situation, do. but nice house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the real story isn't as sad. We'll get there. Oh, okay. This cool. is just the movie thing that you could Google yourselves, but I'll tell you. <laughs> so he goes out to Seattle and he moves into this mega mansion. And then all of a sudden, all these noises start happening. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's haunted. And so he starts doing research on why it's haunted. And basically, he finds out that there is like a little boy haunting his mega mansion. And so he works to solve the mystery behind the ghost. So this is, like I said, cut and paste of what actually happened. So (laughs) I already spoiled everything. But we're going to go into the real story. You don't need to be scared while watching the movie because you already know it. Plus, it's, I mean, I don't want to be rude about the movies that came out. (laughs) 30, 40, what's math? What year was it? 29, right? Uh, what 39. You do Fuck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I try? That's the rough part. It's because of the fireball. Anyway, so I don't remember where I was or what I was saying. What movie. was I saying? The movie came out. You said you didn't love it. Oh, yeah. Because, it's really yeah. slow. Don't just listen to me instead. Okay, so the changeling was obviously inspired by a true event, because this is what our topic is. So the real event happened in 1969. There was a man named Russell Hunter, and he lived in New York. He was a music composer. He worked for CBS. Am I making that up? Nope. Yeah, he worked for CBS TV. And he moved out to Denver because his parents were getting older. They were aging. He was like, I'm going to be a really good son. I'm going to move out. I'm going to help take care of them. They nice. had very nice. Take I note, wouldn't guys. do that myself. Take note. Yeah. Yep. My mom is like, I know that Sabrina's the only one who's going to take care of me when I'm dying and ill. So be that person, be that child. It makes me feel great. What do your siblings say in response? Yeah. Sabrina's going to take care of you. They are That's the great. smarter sibling. You know what? I love my mom. And I'm proud of it. You sucked up way too hard. You're fucked yes, for the I was future. a favorite child, and you know what? It's great. Okay, yeah. Middle child syndrome. <laughs> it is middle child syndrome. <laughs> I need everyone to love me, please. Uh, okay, so this guy. Back <laughs> to good. what I was saying. Everyone look at me, not Sabrina. <laughs> please. <laughs> okay, so he moves out to, what did I say? Denver. He moves to Denver. His family lives in Boulder. That's only 45-minute drive. I mapped it. Because I was like, why would he move to a different city? That's weird. This story seems made up. But um, so Boulder is only 45 minutes away. And so he went out there to help his parents manage, well, their lives. And then also they owned like a hotel or motel. Wait, I can I just say, 
you just you moved from LA to Boston. Why would you move to a different city? What do you mean? You moved to a different city. Yeah, what did I say? You said, why would someone move to a different city? You did it. Well, <laughs> I'm saying if the point of moving was to be next to his parents, why wouldn't he just move to Boulder? But he chose Denver. That's close. So he still needed that breathing room. Gotcha. Is what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not mad. Okay, anyway. <laughs> just wanted to push on it. Okay. You know, challenge you. As this good isn't friends do. place or time or <laughs> venue to do that. Then when is the time? Sabrina earlier was like, can I, can I like interrupt you during your story to like have commentary? I was like, I mean, I guess it's going <laughs> to probably throw me off and I'm going to forget where I was, but sure. Cause that's what we're supposed to be doing. So anyway, here we are back to my story. Okay. So he moves out. We're going to retell the same part four times. <laughs> Uh, okay, so he moves into, I don't know if anyone's from Colorado or knows, but I'm going to give details because I feel like I need to. But he moves into a really large home in Ch- Cheeseman Park. Cheeseman Park. <laughs> it's a neighborhood in Denver. And at the time, or before, I mean, it was called the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion. And it was super, super cheap. It was a mansion and he could afford it. Which, to me, that's unfathomable. Sounds haunted. Sounds haunted. But he didn't think so. He was like, wow, what a great deal. I guess everyone in Colorado already has a home, and that's why this is available. Not because there's something really shady going on. No one wants to live here. No one wants to live here. They already have Wow, I'm so lucky. I really (laughs) timed this well. No. He's stupid. (laughs) So on February 9th, this is not long after he moves in, he wakes up at about 6 a.m. in the morning, to really loud banging and knocks. And he's like, what the fuck is this? So he tries to get out of bed and he moves and just as his feet are about to hit the floor, all the noises stop. And he's like, that's really weird, but I guess they stopped. Something grabbing your ankles. Sabrina. So anyway, (laughs) back to my story, Sabrina. So yeah, he's like, this is really weird. But then the next day it happens again and it just keeps happening. And 6 a.m. it just consistently happens every single morning. Loud, loud banging. Like the whole house is like having this sound emanate from it. And then the activity starts to progress. And he notices doors opening and closing on their own. Lights turning on and off. That happened upstairs, guys. The ghost is here. The ghost is here. Maybe our ghost. Maybe when Sabrina said, thank you for coming, she invited in a poltergeist. I said, please don't do anything bad. I just want you to support us. So hopefully it's we'll good. See we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> so I don't remember where I was again. <laughs> okay, so Someone the doors shot a fireball. <laughs> no, I already had too much, clearly. <laughs> I started with whiskey and then I moved on to fireball because I'm a pussy. Anyway... <laughs> So the doors are opening and closing. Faucets are turning on and off. And he's like, okay, well, I kind of think my house is haunted. It's like, well, yeah. But also, maybe some of those things could be explainable. What's not explainable is his walls would start to shake. And they would vibrate so hard that stuff would fall off of the walls. So it's like... Constant earthquakes. Yeah, your house is haunted. (laughs) That's the only way to explain it. Yeah. So at this point, he's like, okay, I've come to terms with the fact that it's haunted. I think this spirit wants me to solve the mystery. So why don't I do work to do that? Which is opposite of what I would have chosen. (laughs) And mind you, he's renting. It's not like someone who bought a house and is like, well, I put all my money in and now all my savings is drained and I have a loan. No, he's renting and his parents live 45 minutes away (laughs) and they own an inn 
He had what? all of the outs. All of it. This is the most important lesson you will learn today. If shit like that happens, go move in at the inn. Yeah. We're all going to move to Russell's parents in, <laughs> in Boulder, Colorado. I hope they're still alive. Wait. No, this was in the 60s. They're dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they might be alive. <laughs> Cut that part out. Corinne's not great at math. It's okay, guys. <laughs> Wait, what? The 60s? Not that long ago. I'm not going to try again. <laughs> you can't test me. You're baiting me now, Sabrina. <laughs> I'm trying to do math now. Nope. <laughs> okay, I guess, yeah, my grandparents are alive. Yeah. We don't know Russell's age. I didn't write it down. <laughs> he could have been older. Anyway, so he's trying to investigate this paranormal activity and figure out exactly what happened. And he's like, okay, well, the first thing I should do is I should investigate the actual property. Like, look around the house, see if there are any clues, see what I can see. And so he asks one of his friends to come over because apparently when you move to a new city, you automatically have friends, something I haven't learned in Boston for two years. (laughs) But whatever. Anyway, so he grabs a friend and they investigate the house and they're walking around and in the very back of the house, there's a closet and they notice something's kind of amiss with the back of the closet. And so they shuffle stuff around and they notice that there is a secret stairwell. (gasps) That's so cool. And then they go up it, which is... (laughs) I would totally do that. Sabrina would. You, I follow you. You go first and then yeah, I follow yeah, you. Yeah. If Sabrina doesn't die, I'll follow. <laughs> I don't even follow behind you. I let you go like 20 yeah. paces in front of me. Let me call it. And I watch you. out and I look around and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Karen. It's okay, Yeah. You can come. So that's, I'm assuming he sent his friend first and that's why he invited someone. <laughs> so they found this secret stairwell and they walk up it and upstairs they find they're on the third floor now and they find i guess an abandoned room it would have to be abandoned right because it was a secret that's the definition of abandoned if everyone (laughs) doesn't have dictionary.com on your cell phone (laughs) so they go up and they're looking around the room and they find this really small chest and it's kind of the size of a chest that would be like at the end of a child's bed or like have a like children's toys in it so they open up the chest and inside are some journals and some notebooks so they start reading and inside well one of them's a school book and so they kind of gauge the age of the child which i said was nine years old and then there's also a journal and so they start reading the journal and it's this little boy who lived about a century before and he's writing about his life and uh, i mean (laughs) At nine years old. I know. I was like, what? I'm not really sure what he was really writing about. Is but it a little Einstein? Like genius? Well, when I was like seven, I wrote a journal about how I burned an American flag, which I have no memory of, but I, <laughs> my teacher reported me to my mother. So this is why you wrote in a journal. So you would yeah. remember later in life. And I wrote about the poor service I received at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the one journal we kept from my school years. And that's it was hilarious. <laughs> exactly what this nine-year-old was writing about. This is why I am. What did I do? Um, There we go. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. So they open up the journal and they're reading through it. It's a nine-year-old boy. And in his journal, he's talking about his life. And it turns out that he had... um, Bad service at McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm going to bring him out now. We're now dating. (laughs) We're moving in together. Everyone gets McDonald's. This is all our show's about. And goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> two girls one ghost okay anyway so 
in the journal, he talks about how he's disabled and he's living his life and he doesn't, he's kind of secluded. He's ostracized and he's kind of like stuck to this one room on the third floor and he can't really go anywhere. He doesn't have any friends. So he starts writing about some of his favorite things, some of his favorite toys. And he talks a lot about the red ball, which is one of the favorite toys he has and something that he plays with. Uh So at this point, Russell Hunter is like, I solved the fucking mystery. I'm Nancy Drew. That book probably didn't come out at this time. I don't know. (laughs) Math again. Someone tell me. Fact check me. But anyway, so he's like, that's that's it. Nothing's going to happen now. No no more paranormal. Oh, my fucking God. I can't (laughs) talk. My tongue. I suffer from fat tongue syndrome, which is (laughs) where your tongue doesn't fit in your mouth. I have, like, ridges where it, like, gets on my teeth. So that's too much information. But (laughs) if you want to see, I'll show you later. (laughs) I told Sabrina I could fit my fist in my mouth earlier, and I was about to do it, and she wouldn't let me do it. No, I said, I need to see it. And then you... Get ready to go. And then I was like, well, maybe we're about to go on stage. Maybe not. Maybe not. This is right what now. we do when we're right behind the door when you guys are out here. I can You guys are like, oh my God, my when mouth. are they coming out? What are they doing now? What are they like? Where are they? Corinne's fist is in her mouth. Like, I'm, <laughs> what we're doing? I'm fisting myself. <laughs> we are two girls, one ghost, you guys. Like, obviously, we're going to make weird sexual innuendos. <laughs> I hope no kids are here. No kids are allowed, right? It's 18 and over. We're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Russell's like, I'm cool. My mansion's now saved. And he just goes back to his <laughs> Sabrina. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> if anyone was wondering who came up with our podcast name, it's this person. Said it as a joke, and I was like, well, that's a good way to find viewers. <laughs> yeah, whenever I tell people that's our podcast name, they're like, do you know the other thing? And I was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, that's the where worst, it came from. The worst thing was when I had to explain it to both of my parents. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone kept laughing around them, and they didn't really get it, and they looked a little confused, and so I, like, sat them down. It was like, it was like the reverse the from when the they told talk. me. Yeah. And I had to sit them down and be like, so there's a thing on the internet. <laughs> and I saw it when I was 11. Oh, my God, you were 11? You wrote about it in your journal after the McDonald's thing. Well, I think I might have already told people this. I don't know what I say on the podcast and what I tell people. It's all blur now. But I got in trouble when I was in middle school for looking at porn on the computer. But it wasn't me. My guy friends told me to go to meatspin.com. I have the exact same story. Really? We've never talked about this. Are you also a meatspin.com? I was. Instead of, remember the band The A-Teens? Someone told me to go 18s.com. Wait, what? Like 18. What is what is it? Like it was just porn. 18, one eight. Like one. Well, I'm gonna teen. Google that after the show. You don't want to. My mom caught me and was like, she will you know. Wait, like, so this isn't the same story because my f- Yeah. But my friend told me to go on to it. Okay. Did she catch you in the act? No, she called me after the fact. Okay, so did mine. That was better than in the act. But she said, <laughs> where yeah, the timer goes, she, my mom catches me, I'm on like 79. <laughs> no, that would have been bad. Everyone's looked at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? We were talking about ghosts at one point. I really don't know where I am. I, I think I told you, yeah, I told you things. The red ball. He yeah, the red he ball. Was that's where we were. That's how we got this there. This is so unorganized. Holy shit. Our friends were like, do you guys practice before? And we're like, No. But now I'm thinking we should change that. (laughs) 
We're like, we just vibe and we just do it. We just talk. We're so used to it. We do it twice a week. We're like so LA. I'm just like, want to have a sit back. Like, have a conversation. <laughs> What'd you eat today? Um, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I hated that. Okay, we're good. Okay, so he's in his house and he just leaves the door open to the secret room because I guess he was like, extra space, more square footage. And a few days later, a red ball comes bouncing down the stairs and rolls into the main room. So he, Russell's like, well, I guess the story isn't over. I guess I have to do more to figure out what happened. Just move out, dude. Right? So then he's like going to do more investigation. So what do you think he does? Do you think he goes to the local historian and asks about the property? Do you think he goes to the hospital and asks, are, were there disabled people here a hundred years ago? No. That's actually an odd question. I'm pretty sure laws don't allow them to <laughs> tell you the answer. But I would have tried. <laughs> no. His solution is to have a seance. That's his first inclination in terms of... How'd that go? Yeah. Um, actually pretty well. Huh. Well, not really. Okay. But he got a lot of info. So he, he invited people over, seance people. There must be a listing. That's their I, job title. How do they, okay. Stupid question. How do you find people that do seances when you live in 1969? It's not like Google. Do you, do they take out like the white pages? What is it? Newspaper people That's true, really probably. did that? Maybe. I bet it. Yeah. Man, if I was a seance man person. Man-seeking ghost. <laughs> man-seeking <laughs> man seeking answers about ghosts. The classifieds were my porn when I was 11. <laughs> I used to steal that newspaper and read it, and I was like, people are fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I got to 79 at Meat Spin. So, <laughs> so anyway, he, he has a seance, and they learn a lot during the seance. Basically, they make contact with the spirit that's in the house, this boy, and the boy tells them that he lived in the in around. He lived with his family, and that his family was very wealthy. But he got really sick, which basically created him, or or words hard. It's late. It's so late. In it's Boston like way right past now. all of our bedtime. I go to bed at like. Wouldn't it be great if we could just like sleep here, and you guys whoops. all just saw our bodies asleep, but then like we astral projected ourselves, and like that super formed the show. That would have been great. Someone was wearing almost the same outfit as me in the front, and I was like, can you please go on stage instead of me? No one will know. But, okay, we'll figure it out. So during the seance, they made contact with this boy. He says that he lives with a wealthy family and that they had lived a long time ago and that he got sick and this made him disabled and he eventually passed away. But the thing that's fucked up and probably why he was still there was that he didn't just pass away. He passed away, and then his parents secretly buried him in this southeast Denver area in a field. Oh. Didn't tell anyone. Then adopted a boy that looked just <gasps> like their son. What? I know. It's fucked up. How do you get away with that? It was the 1960s. People were all on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know. For I mean, I didn't live then, but that's what people tell me. <laughs> that's what the internet says. Do they even remember? They probably don't. <laughs> so, 
this boy that they adopt <laughs> is trained to act and speak like their son. That's fucked And then up. this family says like, oh, well, we had a miracle. He just got better. And you're like, well, that's so fucked up because what about your actual son? Like, do you have no loyalty to him? But the reason is there was money involved. Apparently, mm. the grandfather was, had a huge fortune and he left all of his money to the son, this well, his grandson, Ooh. who got sick and passed away. So they were like, well, we need to cover this up this because is like we need money. A series of unfortunate, event, unfortunate events. Great series. But it's just like that. Like we want your money, so we'll do anything to make Large you give it to us. fortune. Yes. Large fortune. The Baudelaire's. Exactly. That's also a show for children. So, no, it has a lot of adult themes. I guess. Do you drink Fireball when you watch it? Because I do. <laughs> That's a you thing. Uh, so, this is why they did that. It was all driven by money. And I just want to pause for a second because while what happened to the boy is very disappointing and very sad, I also think we should think about the boy who was adopted. And although he's probably fucked up from being told that he needs to act like the dead son before him and probably scared as shit that his parents are going to kill him, he got a whole lot of money. He went on, got educated, and apparently lived a very successful life. So good for him. Although I'm sure he goes to therapy. Back to the seance. So mind you, while they're having the seance, the way that they're getting the information is that Russell himself was taken over by the spirit, which is so scary. He was Yikes. sitting there and he was like, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been to a seance. Actually, remember we thought oh. about it when we were in Salem and then we're like, that's no, actually we could maybe never a bad idea. Like, we that's a do that. horrible idea. Yeah. At first we're like, fuck yes, we're going to talk about it on the podcast. But also it was like $100 a person and we're like, yeah, we that's the only that. reason we didn't do it. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah, so he's being taken over by the spirit and they're getting all the info. And not only does this spirit who they think is the boy that lived in this house or around this house tell them everything. He also tells them where he was buried, exactly where the field was. So they track down this location and a house was standing on this location. Knock it down. Well, people lived there. Knock it down. <laughs> so. Sorry, you need to move. There's a body buried under here. I would move if someone said that to me. Would you believe them if some stranger came up and was like, excuse yes. me? If someone came up to me right now and said, there's a body under your building, I'd be like, great. Let's go. Let's dig. Let's knock this whole place down. Nick would be I like, want to be there. <laughs> and Nick's like, I'm, like, we should leave. Yeah, probably. Well, good. Well, actually, I was going to say, good thing you don't. I'll get my we don't shovel. know that. You have no idea. Oh, no. But this kind of happened to these people. They had Russell Hunter, who seems like a crazy person at this point, come up to them and tell them, like, I need to look under your house. I need to dig because a ghost told me during a seance (laughs) who took over my body that his body's buried here. And obviously no one would say, like, yeah, sure, take over my property and ruin it. Who here would? I feel like people here would believe it. No? Literally, no. Wow, okay. <laughs> Just me, I guess. <laughs> if you had the money to then, like, I mean, if you were really, really bored and rich, I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is cool. But yeah, most people work hard to maintain their property and, like, don't want they some stranger do? digging around. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this little smart nine-year-old ghost boy thought ahead, and he visited the property owners and was like, what? I'm dead. 
and you need to let these people in your house or I'm going to fuck you up. And so they let they let him in, which is also like, I don't know if there's a little ghost boy. I mean, that's good for him. This nine-year-old, seem, I want to meet him. He seems so intelligent. He had a journal. He convinced multiple people to find his body. But also, isn't there a part of you that thinks, like, this is a great cover-up for a demon and a well, poltergeist? No, I Heard am. Yes over here. <laughs> I wasn't. People are on now. my team. Yeah. It kind of, because what nine year I don't know. I don't know. I think something was influencing him. Oh, no. So they go and they dig and they find a freaking body. And it's a child's body. And on the body, they find this, like, gold medallion necklace. And it has the name of like a little boy from that era. So they're like, oh, fuck, this oh is it! <laughs> and so then he's like, yes, hooray, I solved the murder. My house, my mansion, it's all mine. Nope. Because a few days later, the paranormal activity picked up in Russell's house. Oh, no. It got so much worse. And this is why I think it was some like demon poltergeist thing. Right. Was because when he was walking through his house, the windows and like window frames and doors would start to shatter and shatter inward towards him and it would hit him and he actually got cut like his his like wrist got cut like he was like being injured and then also when he was sleeping one night the wall above him pushed it was like someone like was inside the wall and pushed it through and everything fell and hit him so like someone was trying to cause physical harm to him this is serious a nine-year-old boy isn't like Thanks for finding everything. Now let me try to murder you. That's weird, right? I don't know what kind of nine-year-old he was now. It's like... But yeah, so Russell's like, okay, this is kind of serious. I think that this is the last straw. I need to move out because I don't want to die. So finally he moves out. He moves to... Let me... I, I wrote it. He moved to a house on Kearney Street. Know it? Well... Know it well, Colorado, mm-hmm. where we are not. Why did I choose the story? <laughs> Movies. But, yeah, true. But the paranormal activity followed him to this house. So he was like, oh, my God, I cannot shake this little boy. Which also, if it was, again, this is a demon, right? Right. I think now so. Now I believe it. Yes, because it's With following him. With the walls, him. like, pushing in and stuff. It's, yeah, it was gaining energy. It was tricking him. It was manipulating him. That's not a kid, and let's, you know. Yeah. No. So the, he calls in a priest finally and, like, actually makes a good decision. And he calls in a priest. The priest cleanses the house, cleanses him. Everything is good. Everything is fine. He's chilling. He never goes back to the house until someone buys the property and they want to turn it into a park and also make room for apartment buildings. So he goes back to watch the house be demolished. And apparently during this demolition process, the very third floor, the top floor that had the child's bedroom, the window and everything blew out and the debris hit a worker and severely <gasps> injured him. And rumor no. has it, he actually died from the injuries of demolishing the house and that room coming towards him. Holy. Yeah. What? I know. It's really sad. It is sad. Yeah. So this is depressing. <laughs> We're going to leave now. I mean, it doesn't pick up. My story does pick up. So should I just <laughs> stop? And you should start going. We should just stop. I don't know. No. Okay. So anyway, there's a bunch of hauntings and everyone's like, okay, are these things real or not? And so Denver Library was actually like, let's investigate all of the local hauntings and figure out, like fact check everything and see if things are real. So they fact checked this story and I'm going to tell you what's real and what's not. Well, 
it's all kind of real in my in my mind. But so they found that the house that Russell lived in was built in 1892. So that means that the boy, the child, it wouldn't have been possible for him to live in that exact house because that house wasn't built there until years later because he was supposed to be from 100 years earlier. So math, it's 40, 20, 20 years. But then what was the secret room for? What? Then why was there a secret room? Well, so that's, okay, well, here's there's a bunch of things. I mean, I think they were guessing on based on like the stuff that they found in the trunk or the chest, right. how old or like when the boy lived. So maybe there was just some guesswork mm. or maybe it was passed down throughout family, this big secret. And whoever lived in the house held this secret and had like a little room because the poltergeist was or the boy was crazy and was like, you have to like Ooh. honor me and have this room. But if you I don't open know. the door, you let something out. Yeah. So they boarded it up. So that's a possibility. So they did, that was one fact checked. And then also the family who owned the home originally, they were childless. They didn't have any children, but they did um, basically adopt their niece and nephew. And their nephew did pass away, but he was 25 at the time. And there were reports in the paper. So it wasn't this boy. But (laughs) there's something awfully suspicious about this family. Because this family who owned this house owned the farmland that was on the other side of Denver where the body was found. That exact plot of land is what they owned before that house Mm. was there. So I think there's some shady business, obviously. Yes. Another possible clue is that Cheeseman Park, the neighborhood where Russell was renting this house, it used to be a, a cemetery. It used to be Prospect Hill Cemetery. And then they got rid of the cemetery to just like, you know, develop as you do. You prioritize the living over the dead, apparently, in Colorado. And Everywhere. so, what? Everywhere but our podcast is where they prioritize the living over the dead. We definitely don't. We don't care about any of you guys. <laughs> we only care about the people that are like secretly tapping on your shoulder and you can't see them. Yeah. Getting nervous. That's going to happen to me. <laughs> uh, Apparently that piano's haunted, Corinne. Sabrina! <laughs> I asked to sit on this side, too. Because uh, at the time, my skirt opened. So I was like, <laughs> people are going to see way too much hey, leg. <laughs> Shit. Okay. But anyway, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to continue on. <laughs> so the cemetery was, I mean, they got rid of it. And so everyone who had family members in the cemetery, they were notified that they had 90 days to make arrangements for their loved ones and move the bodies. And so a lot of people did, but some people didn't. And so what did they do with those bodies? They did not comb the hair and say, good morning, good night, and put them somewhere in their room. No. That was weird. (laughs) Good morning, good night. Hang them in their room. When they take them out of the grave, good morning. When they put them back in, good night. Morning, morning, morning. No. No, no, no. They instead... The people who were in charge of moving these bodies instead was like, okay, well, what's the most cost-effective, what's the quickest, most efficient way? You have to cut up the dead body into multiple parts, like a freaking serial killer, and shove it into a tiny box. And then while you're at it, why not steal all of the jewelry and all of the belongings that are with the body? So, you know, that's what they did. And so obviously there are probably plenty of spirits who are pissed off. And yeah. so I'm thinking the little boy could be part of that genre, that group. Although there's a lot of shady information that also indicates that maybe he did live in that property before. 
So Russell's experience at this house in Denver, Colorado, is what led to the 1980 movie The Changeling. And The Changeling consistently finds itself on the top scariest movies of all time. Now you guys, now that I told you about the red ball, you're going to notice it in a lot of movies. A lot of scary movies and television shows, they pay homage to the to the red ball. Mm-hmm. And also um, in Crimson Peak, there's a lot of inspiration in Crimson Peak. So if you don't want to watch an 80s movie, you can watch Crimson Peak. It came out like a couple of years ago. And they do, they take a lot of inspiration from the story. And the neighborhood in Colorado has a ton of paranormal activity. Everybody keeps on saying that there's like cold spots, they see orbs, like weird things happen. They feel super uneasy in the neighborhood, like walking around certain areas. Damn. So the whole, pretty much the whole neighborhood is haunted. And that's the story of the changeling. Wow. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> yeah. Wow. I feel like the red ball shows up in a lot of it does, and I never knew that it was originally that it originated from the story behind this. But it also shows up in the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, which is truthfully, I think that's the blue ball. Maybe it's a red ball. I don't know, but it's still a ball. It's still a ball. The bouncing ball. If you ever see a bouncing ball, like just just leave. Don't like roll it back. It's like horrible, (laughs) and then it just slowly starts coming back. Oh my god! Nightmare inducing. (laughs) No thank you. No way. Wow. Can I just say? Got a little distracted during your story because these people in front of us ordered mac and cheese and put it in the front of the table to taunt you. I noticed you guys were making really good eye contact and I didn't realize that that was why. <laughs> Manipulation. So you didn't get it for Corinne. Whatever. Got it. <laughs> I can't eat anything right now. I'd probably vomit because I'm really nervous. Oh my God. Thanks. Splash Maybe zone. After. When we came out here before to do like a little sound check, everybody had left like from the show before us had left their food and their drinks. And I was like, Sabrina, should we drink all the extra leftover <laughs> drinks? I thought it was a good idea. I thought you'd be like, yes, free drinks. But she, you said no. Yeah, germs. germs. Which is usually your thing. I know, but you already had made me take a shot of Fireball at that point. So That's was, true. I was you were game. like, germs, I don't care. Take my shirt off. (laughs) She's done that on stage before. I did that once. And the look I got from the bartender when I went back the next morning and was like, to get her shirt shirt was really awful. I never want to experience that again. Did you get it back? Yeah, they gave it back to me. And then actually I said, I am so sorry. She goes, it happens way more than you think. (laughs) It's because Corinne goes there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what did you do? All right. Do you remember? No. (laughs) (laughs) So last time we did this, I like totally like blacked out. I don't think I remember a single thing. Sabrina blacked out for the entire entire thing. We were at a podcast festival. There was I wasn't drunk to clarify. It was no. It was literally just like my brain disappeared. Yes. Yeah, and I sweat through my whole clothing. Yeah. But you blacked out, which is worse because you talked about things. So I was if you like, haven't listened happened? to that episode, you should. <laughs> it's fun. You but I'm here now. About Sabrina. You're here now. I'm here now. I have not blacked out. Do you want me all. to remind you what you picked? Because I, no, no, I, I know. I know. So I picked uh, to talk about The Conjuring number two. More uh, people have seen that. More recent yeah, movies. Boo, more popular. Have you seen it? Mental note. Well, because um, it came out in 2016, so it's a little bit yeah. newer. I actually haven't seen it. I just watched it. And I will give you a tip. If you ever watch a scary movie, you should thoroughly research 
the story behind it beforehand because it's way less scary when you watch the movie. Like I was like, oh yeah, the, the next part, this is what's going to happen. And I watched oh, it with Nick. And I, I mean, the movie trick. totally took its creative freedoms, but like for the most part in terms of the story, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know what's going to okay. happen. I'm not scared. So good Well, tip. now now they don't need that tip because you're going to tell them. Right. Well, don't watch about. this movie because like I'm going to tell you everything. Actually, the movie took a lot of creative freedoms. So, okay, Conjuring 2 came out in 2016 and it follows the story of a wonderful dynamic duo that we all know, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. We love them. They're amazing. Boo. Boo for them because they deserve it. They're amazing duo. They're better than Zach Bagans. Damn, don't tell him. Oh my God, Corinne, Zach's here. I would fucking lose it. Zach. That's when, that's the cue to take my shirt off. <laughs> Man, oh man, if only you guys, uh, you guys are missing out. You should he see what's no up with idea us. who we are. <laughs> we talk about him a lot. Like, sometimes we're like, maybe we should stop. Like, if he I ever bet, listened to it, he'd be like, these are stalkers. Like, yeah, they I are was going to say, I bet you could take, like, legal action up against us. I'm sure. There's so much evidence. Let's delete everything. Okay. Tonight, binge delete. <laughs> I think it's impossible when you already posted all the content on yeah, the internet. No, it's fine. Zach, we love you. Um, okay, so Ed and Lorraine Warren, and this is based on the Enfield poltergeist, which happened in London in 1977. And so the movie follows Ed and Lorraine Warren as they go, they first start out investigating the Amityville horror case, if you're familiar. And everyone should be because I picked it as one of my stories. <laughs> Corinne wonderfully talked about it in one of our episodes. Thank you. So they go and they're there at this Amityville horror investigation and they do a seance and mm. Lorraine kind of sits there and she flashes back into this. She kind of astral travels. And while astral traveling and going through the home, she sees a demonic nun. And the nun shows her this vision of her husband Ed dying. So Wait, she, sorry, is this what the nun is based on? I haven't so seen yes. it, but it looks scary. So the nun was based on this movie. So basically, the nun shows up in like three minutes in this movie, and they're like, "That needs to be a movie." So the nun got her own movie. Good for her. Proud of her. Really happy for her. She didn't even have to. Sleep We're good with friends. Anyone. No. <laughs> and so Lorraine gets this vision that Ed's going to die. So she comes out of it and she's like, Ed, we cannot investigate anything else. But it's Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're going to do stuff. So they then get notifications that this from like on their phone because they had them. And uh, they get told that there's this investigation happening in London. And they're like, the church is like, we need you to go and make sure it's true. And they're like, well, we don't want to, but okay. So they go Took a lot of convincing. Um, took none. Sorry. I wonder how they got paid. Do you think that the church paid them? Like, how did they make money? Well, I think certain cases were paid by the church. You got it. Thanks. Strength. Thumb strength. Everyone do your exercises after the show. <laughs> you never know when you're going to be up here enough to do this. Yeah, it's really hard, guys. So they go and they investigate investigate this case in uh, Enfield, London. And it's about this family, the Hodgson family, and it's uh, basically they're haunted by a poltergeist, and then the daughter, Janet, gets possessed by the entity. And that's essentially what the movie is, and then the nun kind of keeps haunting them, and she has a, Lorraine has to save her husband from dying. But they took a lot of creative liberty, liberties in the movie, the main one being that Ed and Lorraine Warren like were not involved with the Enfield poltergeist. 
That's such a they like cheap way of getting by. getting viewers. Yeah. Well, because The Conjuring is about Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you think about it, like each case is from their perspective. Well, and the first Conjuring yes. involves them heavily. Right. And that's true. But then they even admitted that th- this movie took a lot of creative liberties. They were like, okay. Because they stopped by. They went in. They were like, oh, this place is haunted. Bye. And then they made a movie out of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so what is it truly what actually happened? So the Enfield poltergeist occurred in Enfield, London in 1977 at 284 Green Street. And there a family lived with, it was a mother, Peggy Hodgson and her four children. So she was a single mom. She had four children, Margaret, 14, Janet, 11, Johnny, 10 and Billy, seven. And so Janet and Margaret share a room and they're like young kids. Mm-hmm. And one night Margaret's getting in bed and she's hanging out. And then she's like, she's like, Janet, what are you doing? And Janet's like kind of like secretly hiding on her bed. And she goes, I'm playing a Ouija board. She probably said it like cuter and like 11 year old. Like, I'm excited. I'm playing a Ouija board. But so Margaret's like, oh my God, how does it work? And Janet's like, I made it myself at school and uh, we can talk to ghosts. And so they start playing. And nothing happens. This is the best case scenario. But they don't say goodbye. Oh, fuck. And they're like, damn it, the ghosts don't want to talk to us. And so they put it away and they go to bed. And a few nights later... They're all playing. So Margaret, Janet, Johnny, and Billy. They're all playing in the living room. They're playing with their Legos. It's super exciting. I love Legos. And they're building something. And then all of a sudden, a Lego picks up by itself and flies across the room. And they all kind of like look at each other. And they're like, did you just see that? And they're like, yeah. So they're like, Mom! So Peggy comes running in. And they're like, Mom, oh my God, you won't believe it. This Lego just flew across the room. And Peggy's like, oh my God, you guys. Like, I'm a single mother. Do you know what I go through? (laughs) And so she's like, can you guys just like play your Legos, go to bed? I'm like, I'm tired. So she goes to bed. They all go to bed. And a few nights later, Peggy changes her mind. She's like, oh, my my children are not just messing with me. Because... So she's asleep and she wakes up in the middle of the night to like banging and a lot of like noise and a lot of stuff happening. And so she's like, oh my God, Janet, Margaret, what are you guys doing? So she goes over to their bedroom and instead of finding them running around their bedroom like little children, they are cowered in the the corner of the room, terrified. Yeah. And she's like, what's happening? And the kids are like, the drawers started opening. Someone is in our room. And someone's in the house. Someone's in our room. Someone was opening and closing all of our drawers. Someone threw a chair across the room. And Peggy's like, are you sure? And then all of a sudden, the dresser flies from all the way over across the other side of the room towards the door and slams the door shut, locking them in the room. And Peggy's like, holy shit, okay. You guys aren't just lying to me. So she, they managed to get the dresser away from the door. She gathers all of her children and runs across the street to her neighbor's house and tells the neighbors, Vic, and then the other neighbor, the wife was named Peggy, which is like, come on, guys, have better names. <laughs> everyone's Peggy, everyone's well, John, their names everyone's are Margaret. Bob. Okay, yeah, her, their children, fine. Those are good. But Peggy, Peggy. Peggy, Peggy. Peggy squared. Margaret. Yeah. So they tell the neighbors, Vic and Peggy Nottingham, and they're like, 
guys, someone is in our home. Because at that point, they're like, yeah, okay, our drawers are opening and closing. Things are being shoved. Someone has to be doing it. So they tell their neighbors, they're like, someone's here. What do we do? So Vic is like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. So he goes across the street and quickly runs back and is like, uh, we need to call the cops. So he calls the police and the police show up and they all go into the house together. And this escalated very quickly. Very quickly. And so the police show up and they go in the house and they're kind of going through and they're looking at everything and all of a sudden... Everywhere, all, all of the walls, like the walls are knocking like crazy furniture. It's like they're downstairs and things sound like they're moving across the floor on top of them. And they're like, is anyone else in the house? And <laughs> Peggy is like, this is why we called you. This is your job. You find out if someone else is in the Jeez, house. Um, and so they find out no one is in the house. And the police are like kind of confused. They don't really know what to do. And all of a sudden a chair lifts up off the floor and kind of moves two inches to the left and then falls back down. And so the police officer, there's a male and a female police officer there. And the female looks over to her partner and goes, I think we should uh, leave. And so they go to Peggy Hodgson. And they're like, we are so sorry, ma'am. Um, we This is uh, above our pay grade. We cannot handle this. We, are, we don't know what to do. Good luck. And so they leave. Jesus Christ. Because the law apparently does not cover moving chairs. Okay. But, okay, well, so I looked this up because I was like, okay, well, what does the law cover? And so, oh, like, how do you specify? Well, I was like, well, what? <laughs> right? Right, right. But I was like, what do, like, what weird things does the law cover? You know, like, there's, like, that thing. I can't remember what state it is. It's like, you can't ride backwards on a horse down some street. You can actually be naked in Vermont. There you go. Now you know. You're not allowed to strip in public, but if you strip in your the privacy of your own home and leave nude... You're allowed to do that. You're fine. Yeah. And my my mom sends me pictures of Herself. old <laughs> nude people all the time that she sees. So we have a strange relationship. Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen way too many old balls for my day. I feel like it's too cold there. It's, you would think, but the balls hang low. You. you can see them. Hey, you know what? Let it go. Let it free. Okay. So what did you right, find so about the laws? The weird laws. You are not allowed to touch a pelican in London. <laughs> Uh, you're also not allowed to take the cab if you have the plague, which apparently is still relevant. <laughs> and you're also not allowed to fly a kite in public, which is like, have you seen Mary Poppins? <laughs> Everyone would be in jail. <laughs> How bizarre. And it's from like a law from 1839 that they just have not changed. It makes me wonder what event happened to really <laughs> piss someone off to the point that they yeah. wrote those laws. I have no idea. Apparently it disturbs the peace. Someone's pelican got caught in a kite. Oh, that was a bad day. That's probably what happened, I'm sure. tragic. So yeah, the police are like, okay, bye. See ya. And so time passes and this, whatever was happening was continuing and it was happening more often. And Peggy's like, I just need someone to help me. So she reaches out to the Society of Cyclical Research in hopes that someone there would have a better understanding. And enter Morris Gross. And we did have a PowerPoint plan, but we just, it, technology is not our friend. No. So Maurice was a wonderful old man who has the most amazing mustache, and I wish you guys could see it. I would never want anyone I know or Nick to ever get this mustache because I don't think people could pull it off. But Mar Maurice was like, I don't know, he was just did so he cute. Wax he was just it? like a little, yeah. Oh my God, I love that. And then, like, so there are all these recordings that he ended up taking while he was at this house. And so when I, I listened to a good amount of them, and I was like, damn, Maurice, you're so cool. 
and I'll um, act them out for you guys, so you'll know. But he, when he was um, a young dreamer, he wanted to be an artist, and then he ended up having to go to the war, and so when he came back, his daughter died, and he was kind of super heartbroken, and his daughter started speaking to him in her past life, and, she, and so he got super interested and fascinated in the paranormal, and so he joined the Society of Psychical Research, and so this is how he got connected with the Hodgson family. And so Maurice shows up in the Hodgson home, and he's only there for a few hours when a Lego hits him in the face. And he's like, God. wouldn't you just get rid of the Legos at this point? Right. It's all based on the Legos. Yeah. Yeah. This seems like an easy solution. But. The end of the story is they threw the Legos in the dumpster at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. It's not. Unfortunately, uh, more furniture, more things start happening, a lot more knocking and tapping on the walls. And so Maurice is like, okay, I know what this is. It's a poltergeist spirit. And he explains to the family and he's like, this is how a poltergeist works. It's basically a spirit who likes to move things around and just make themselves known in that way. It probably will go away soon. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Guys, our fruit fly. <gasps> it's here. Did everyone see that? There's a videotape going, so I think we got it. Maybe. Okay, this is just know. proof that we're not lying to you guys. We are actually haunted. So, okay, over... 18 months, which is like the length that this haunting occurred, the Hodgson family was consumed by paranormal activity. There was furniture flipping, and then cups would fill with water really randomly. Like, they would just be sitting there, and then all oh, next thing they'd see, there'd be water filled in it, which is odd. Um, and then fires would would ignite on their own. So, like, a piece of paper, like, it's as if I was sitting here, and this just burst into flame. Like, that's what was happening in their home. Do you, th- oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you think there's two spirits because if one's lighting fires and one is leaving cups of water, don't you think that kind of goes together? Well, I feel like one's looking out because they know what the other one's The other guy's about to start a fire. That's what it sounds like I'm doing like to you me. a favor, dude. Yeah. Well, apparently there were like over 600, so... Over 600 fires or cups of water? Spirits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, they also like heard voices and knocking and then the daughter Janet started levitating and she also, uh, started, uh, becoming possessed. So, or believed to be possessed. Okay. Yeah. And so throughout this time, Maurice collected over 180 hours of recording. So it's claimed that the Enfield poltergeist is actually the most documented poltergeist experience ever. Because of Maurice, so we love him. He's great. And so in the uh, in the recordings that he collected, and by the way, you can listen to all of these on YouTube, and there's tons of videos and lots of footage. Like BBC did a bunch of footage uh, and interviews with the family, and they're really interesting. You don't have to look at them because I'm going to tell you about them, but if you want to. Yeah, aren't you going to act it out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I almost, I told Corinne, I was like, I almost wrote a script for us and I was going to make you do the one part and I would do the other. No, but my anxiety. Fine. One of us quit acting for a reason. Well, both of us did. Yeah, both of us did. But you're still Why are we it. here? I don't know. Okay. My arm's also getting sore from holding the microphone. <laughs> it's a switch arm. So this one's, I don't know what to do with this one. So it's just going to kind of hang here. Hey. <laughs> okay, so Maurice is asking all these questions and he gathered that the entity's name was Bill. And there were two names that were used most often. It was Bill and Fred. But he thought that the entity, the main entity in the home's name was Bill. And so he starts to, when he first came into, came into the home, he's like, okay, it's a poltergeist, so let's communicate it by tapping. And that's how they're communicating. So in one of the very first recordings, 
Maurice was like, okay, spirit, this is how it's going to work. And it's all recorded. And he's like, knock, I'm going to ask you questions. And if you say, if you want to say no, tap once. If you want to say yes, tap twice. So he asks, are you a male spirit? Yes. Did you used to live in this house? Yeah, I can hear can it. Everyone, can everyone hear that? <laughs> trying to be dramatic, guys. So, yes. <laughs> I read in the three to be the tops. Like, this is why... So in acting, you're supposed to react accurately to the person, and clearly I just exhibited why I can't act. I forgot we were in the scene. We're here, we're in it. Okay, so the spirit's a male, and it lives in this house. Maurice goes, was it more than 50 years ago? Yes. Did you die in this house? And all of a sudden, rather than the quiet little taps that it was doing, it was, yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then Maurice, that hurt. Um, <laughs> Maurice is like, are you unhappy? Tap, no. Do you want to give us a special message? Tap, no. Are you having a game with me? Then, instead of a tap, a pillow and a box are thrown at Maurice. So he's like, <laughs> and he, this is why I love him, because he's literally like, oh, you funny ghost, you are having a game with me. <laughs> And it's like, oh, Maurice, you're so cool and casual, but, like, it's going to get worse. So in another recording, Maurice goes, do you enjoy upsetting this family? And the entity responds with two taps. Yes. And then he's like, all right, do you really enjoy upsetting this family? And the ghost is tap, tap, yes. And immediately after, Maurice says, you do? Well, now, will you please go away? Tap, no. Do you, you think won't? people talked like that? I listened to the recording. Okay, okay. Wow, shocking. Maybe I'm not a good actor. I don't know. You tell me. You guys <laughs> listen to it later and tell me. So <laughs> the ghost is like, no. So he goes, you won't? Well, I'd like you to go away and go away because I think you've upset this family too much. Now go away. Tap. No. Please go away. Tap. No. It is essential that you go away. Tap. No. You must. Tap. No. You've had enough. You've had a good time. Now please go away. All right. Tap. No. I will not say anything else to you. Tap. No. Goodbye. <laughs> Tap. No. Goodbye. Tap. No. I'm not kidding, guys. Like, this is the recording and it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the most stubborn ghosts in the world. Seriously. So then, like, Maurice is like, okay, this ghost is clearly not going to leave anytime soon. And then um, Janet starts levitating. And... <laughs> So one night, John, who's Peggy Hodgson's, not Peggy, the other neighbor who would be mistaken because they have the first name together. Um, John, Peggy's brother, was at the home. He lived down the street. And she's at the house, and he's downstairs in the living room with the adults, and all the kids are sleeping upstairs. And John hears something upstairs, and he's like, hmm, what's that, I wonder? And so he goes upstairs, and he goes into Margaret and Janet's room, and he sees Margaret on the floor as if she'd been thrown there. And she's like, ow. Um, that's what it sounds like when you fall. <laughs> that was like some of the best acting I've ever seen. Oh, you thank do. you. The Oscar goes to you. Um, <laughs> one line out. People Ow. get paid a lot of money to do that in Hollywood. That's true. If you yeah. get one line, you're, you're rich. You're rich. <laughs> um, you can afford a house with a secret trap door. Um, so, 
Margaret's on the floor and she's like in pain and then John is looking around for Janet and Janet is not in her bed so he looks under the beds. Janet is not under the beds. And she's like, that's weird. Where's Janet? So he starts to turn out and then out of the corner of his eye he sees Janet uh, on top of a radio, which keep in mind radios back in 1977 were like the size of a mini TV that you had when you were like five. And Janet is doing a full-on handstand on the TV, or sorry, radio, um, and is asleep. So they're like, uh, how did Janet get here? The poltergeist. But then it gets worse because on December 12th, Janet decides, sorry, does not decide. The entity decides to speak through Janet and Janet starts speaking in deep, guttural, Ugh. scary voices. And so everyone there, and, and around this time, Maurice was like, okay, this is clearly a big case. So like we need to get journalists and other people to come and investigate this because we need help. Like we don't know how to deal with this. This is clearly something bigger than us and beyond our understanding. So they start to bring journalists. And so a lot of people are around in the house at this time. And Janet starts to speak in these scary, horrifying voices. And once the voices begin to speak, they only get louder and louder and louder. And at first they'd only bark and they'd whistle and they'd kind of like make weird noises. But then they started to speak actual words and they started to say their names like Dirty Dave, <laughs> Andrew Gardner. <laughs> that was so Gollum. <laughs> Stuart Sutton. And I don't think they sound like that. They were they were all very guttural. But according to Janet, there were over 600 voices speaking through her and she could tell at different times like she could tell that there were different voices speaking through her. And so the most two common names were Bill Wilkins or Fred. And so there's an interview on from BBC, I believe, and there's this uh, a paranormal author whose name is Guy, and he just talks to Janet and Margaret, and he's like, "So, how many people, uh, how many spirits are talking to you, talking through you?" And Janet goes, "Six hundred. and then she pauses and she goes, "I got a joke." <laughs> and I would start crying. <laughs> And Margaret is like super calm next to her and she's like, oh yeah, I've, heard, I've seen her do this so many times. This is almost normal now. And so Margaret continues for, uh, for Janet and is like, yeah, well, there's 600 voices that Janet apparently feels, but there's only 10 that are actually sensible. And so um, as Margaret's saying this, Janet's like, <laughs> and, and she's sitting like, <laughs> like it's like just like that. And so um, Janet, then Janet comes through, like normal Janet. And she's like, yeah, like they're, the voices, don't, they like come through my neck. And like, she's like, I get a, like a tingling in the oh. back of my neck. And then I, then the voices come out of me. And so a lot of people try to say like this wasn't real. And they try to disprove this case and say that Janet herself, as an 11 year old, was just doing this to get attention. But like, I did uh, that voice for what? Like, 30 seconds, not even, and it hurts. And also, le like, let's remember, attention span. Right. No one at 11 would do that. Right. For days and days and days. And like, end. and sure, like, fine, I could fake a voice. That's great. But how can an 11-year-old lift furniture from across the room and throw it at other people? Like, that's just, it's not possible. Yeah, no. And so, I'm sorry, she levitated. Who helped yeah. her with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's a witch and she didn't get to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's so sad. I'm super jealous now. Um, anyway, so she, um, I don't think she was possessed. I think maybe she was a medium and like was trying, like starting to understand her abilities and these spirits all kind of were speaking through her and it, it was a, a method of communicating with the paranormal that no one really understood. But anyway, there's an interview with Guy and uh, the interviewee goes like, hey, so do you think, Jen, do you think the spirits want to talk right now? And she goes, knock, knock. And no. the interviewee says, who's there? And Janet goes, Doctor Who. And the interviewee goes, Doctor Who, who? And I'm sorry, there's no punchline to the joke because the ghost apparently doesn't get humor. Um, and then all of a sudden, Janet just starts like, <laughs> <laughs> This is like the perfect story for me, guys. I was like super excited. I was like, yes. <laughs> Get to do my voices. Okay, so when you wanted me to act this out, was I going to ask you the questions? Yeah. Okay. So you only had to growl the whole show. Exactly. I say half of your story for you. Okay, exactly. got it. <laughs> okay. And then, so then like Janet comes back and she's like, hey, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> And then, but when she does, like, when the voices come out of her, you can tell her body physically changes. Like, she does this, like, weird thing where she's, like, and then, but, like, when she's normal, she's just like this. So, so it changes her physicality. Yeah, it's creepy. And then in the recordings that Maurice took, there's, he would sit with Janet and he would speak to this entity through Janet. And there are hours, like, there are recordings where Janet speaks in these voices that change from, like, different tones of guttural I don't know. I can only do like one, but he has hours of those recordings, meaning like an 11 year old girl had to speak like, like if that was fake, she would have no voice ever. Like that, yeah. that's crazy. And so in one recording, and this was just so creepy and I had to do it because I wanted to like do my voice. In one of the recordings, the voice goes, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Mary, Mary, Mary. <laughs> Life is but a dream. We're going to turn that into a ringtone. That was so cool. I want that to be my alarm clock. Sabrina's calling. Wake up, Corinne. Okay, well, so there were some ghosts that didn't have humor, but there was one that's talking to Maurice. And Are goes, you judging... Are you judging yes. the demon's comedic yes. abilities right now? Totally, because okay. the other one didn't end the joke. So it's like, okay, cool. you left halfway through the show. It's like, gotcha. as if I stood up right now and was like, bye. So this other, so maybe it's the same spirit who's like, okay, I need to make up for the last one because I did so bad the first time. I was on <laughs> camera and I got nervous. He's working his set. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so then in another recording, the spirit goes, I'm invisible. I don't like you. And Maurice goes, why are you invisible? And then she's like, you walked into this, dude. Because I'm a G-H-O-S-T. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when was this story? Was this you in a past life? I wish. <laughs> it was awesome. No, I mean, I wasn't alive in 1977, so maybe I was this it ghost. could have been you. Okay, so that's all fun and stuff. But then um, one night, Janet is asleep in her bedroom, and the curtain on her bedroom window uh, strangled her. So she's alive still. Don't worry. She survived. But she woke up to it strangling her, and she was like, uh, help. Um, and Janet later in life was like, 
no one understood what I was going through. And people in school used to call her ghost girl and make fun of her and her brothers. And one of her brothers in the movie, I don't know if this is real in real life, but in the movie, one of her brothers had a stutter, which was pretty bad. And she like always tried to stand up for him. And so I think a lot of the, the Hodgson children were bullied in school. Mm -hmm. So like you don't want attention for something like being haunted by a poltergeist. That's not, I don't want that, you know? No one wants yeah, that. Yeah, especially when you're going into middle school. Like, you do oh, absolutely you're getting nothing boobs. to make you awkward or weird. You're getting boobs and ghosts? Like, come on, just give me one. Sideburns of your Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too soon. <laughs> you can see them all. Look at them. They're beautiful. Okay. Um, okay, so it happened for 18 months. This is all going on for 18 months. And Janet says that nothing calmed down until 1978 when a priest came to their home and finally things settled down. But even then, they felt like anytime they were in the home, something was watching them. So, like, it might have stopped communicating through her, but it was watching her while she was in the bathroom. <laughs> that's where my spirits watched me, so that's what I relate to. I think we should pause on that. <laughs> that's, if a human did that, super Creepy. illegal. Super illegal. Well, okay, so who's the spirit? It's believed that it was Bill Wilkins, and through a lot of the recordings, Janet spoke about this man, Bill, and spoke as the man, Bill, and um, the spirit explained that just before I died, I went blind and I fell asleep and died in the chair in the corner downstairs. And so if anyone thought Janet was faking, how would an 11-year-old girl, girl know that a man died in the corner chair in that house. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Right. I'm in agreement with you. Thank you. And so she knew how this man died. And Bill Wilkins, they looked it up, was in fact a tenant of 284 Green Street. And he did in fact die in the corner chair in the downstairs living room from a brain hemorrhage. Those are the scariest things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That and then a poltergeist that tries to possess you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a series of unfortunate events. Literally. Yeah, yeah. So people try to say that it's not real, but Enfield Poltergeist is real. And I don't think Janet was possessed. I think she kind of had a talent and a gift to be a medium for ghosts to speak through her. And maybe people didn't understand that or didn't know how to help her hone in her skills, probably for the best, because it seems like she is a little bit happier post being a medium um, as an 11-year-old. And... Jan but okay, so I will okay. Janet did say that like when she there were certain points because like all these reporters start coming in and everyone's like, Oh, prove it to us. And so Janet did she admitted that like sometimes she would fake things because she wanted to see if people would notice. But she says at an older age, she says now that like only two percent of that was faked and everything else was real. Which like you're eleven years old, of course you're gonna fib. I get it. And basically the lesson of this is do not play with the Ouija board because it will cause spirits to haunt you. And okay, the way to end this. What's even scarier than the Enfield poltergeist in the movie itself is that someone has died. And apparently, according to rumors, 37 people have died while watching The Conjuring 2. What? I know. It was like one article, so I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, this is cool. Well, it's scary, but like, <laughs> cool to tell everyone. <laughs> so no one watches movies. But okay, the, the craziest story of it is so like, there was an article, it was like, 37 people have died watching The Conjuring 2. But like, you know, who knows? Maybe someone was like, had their TV on and they died, and The Conjuring 2 like played later. I don't know. 
But the conspiracy behind it is that because Bill Wilkins died of a brain hemorrhage while watching TV, they the idea is that Bill Wilkins' spirit has haunted the movie and like causes people to have brain hemorrhages. And uh, there's one man who in India was watching the movie at a movie theater and he had a heart attack um, and died. But while his body was being transported, the person in charge of transporting his body and him went missing and have not been found. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> Conspiracy. Oh my God. This just changed to like the scariest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> But uh, I will say, Nick and I watched this on um, Friday night, and I did not tell him this beforehand because he would have said no. Uh, but we're still alive, as far as I know. Oh my god! And that is the Enfield Poulter guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Guys, don't watch it. Yeah. What if it starts here? What if the ring was actually like a premonition of what, of what we would do to all of you? That would be fucked up. That would be really That's fucked up. That's another movie we'd be famous. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. For us. So we have, well, more like Sabrina because she was here to do the walkthrough, but you collected ghost stories from the employees here. Yeah. So guys, this place is haunted. We told you that in the beginning, but... It's actually really cool. I mean, like, it really truly is so surreal for us to be here. One, to be doing a live show because we do this by Coastal every week. And, and it's, we started it and we were like, no one's, no one cares what we have to say. Like, it, this truly started out as a way for Corinne and I to stay in touch with each other yeah. when, when she moved across the country. And it's, and now turned... we have trouble making eye contact when we talk to each <laughs> other because we're so used to not talk, not looking at each other. We were talking in, yeah. before the show, and I noticed that I was, she was there, and I was talking out like this. And I was like, oh, wait, you're it's there. Like, put a computer screen in front of me. I could stare at you all day, but put Corinne in front of me. Uh, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I don't know what I was saying, but this is just really cool. And so thank you all of you yeah, for, coming. for coming. This is awesome. It's like really, really crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so I did a little bit of research on the Hollywood improv itself. And I talked to some of the employees here. We didn't talk to all of them. So I'm sure there are plenty of ghost stories we did not gather. But do you guys know TAPS? They apparently came here and did an investigation. And they talked to some ghosts. And then they also ghosted the people that work here because <laughs> after their investigation, I'll tell you about the investigation, but after the investigation, they were like, oh, we're going to go grab our equipment. And they went upstairs and then th the people who work here were all like, they've been up there for a while. Like, let's go check on them. And they were gone. So they ghosted uh, the Hollywood Improv. Um, okay, so... Yeah, so TAPS came here and they did an investigation. They split the employees. So they were like, we don't want to get paid or anything. We just like love this. We're going to come to the Hollywood Improv and like do an investigation from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. And so some of the employees decided to stay here with them and do the investigation. And so while they were doing it, they split the group up into two. And one group like didn't get anything. But then the other group apparently spoke to Roger Dangerfield very cool. And so, like, the way they did that is they had a bunch of flashlights set up around the room. And I don't know if you've seen Ghost Adventures or some any other paranormal investigations show. And they have those flashlights that, like, if you talk to a spirit, the flashlight will turn on. And so they were asking all these names of comedians and people who have been in the Hollywood Improv and if they were there. And the light turned on at Roger Dang Dangerfield. 
And then a woman named Franny who was actually, so the Hollywood Improv, Improv was opened in 1975 by Bud Freeman. He's like this cool guy. He started like improv in New York City and he's like, let's bring it to LA. And so he did. And he had an assistant whose name was Franny. And she literally worked here until she was like in her 90s. And her spirit apparently is here. And she turned the flashlight on and spoke to the TAPS group before they ghosted. Um, this place was also, before it was the Hollywood Improv, it was the um, Ash Grove, which is this like really infamous music venue, which was known for starting blues music in LA and in the Los Angeles music community, which I think is just really cool. And then it was burnt down um, during, uh, I think the Cuban Missile Crisis. Damn it, I'm going to be wrong. That's going to be bad. I'll edit it out. Yeah. But so it was burnt down because of it was like a place for all these like free thinkers and they had all these rallies here. And then I think during that time, someone was like, oh, I don't agree with you. So they burnt the building down and then it became the Hollywood Improv two years later in 1975. And later on, it was also burnt down by a disgruntled comic because sometimes comedians aren't the happiest people. And when they don't get the set they want, they burn the building down. Makes sense. Tough life. Yeah. And then we also got a story from Jay. Yes. Who's the manager tonight? Jay. <laughs> I heard his laugh. <laughs> Do you want to say it? Oh, should I say it? Yeah. Well, I walked in like kind of halfway through when he was telling you. Oh, I can tell it. Well, maybe you should, so I'll fuck okay. it up. So Jay said he was working here late one night and he was with Rita, who was another manager. They were closing together. And they heard it was just the two of them, they were alone. And they heard the men's bathroom toilet flush. And like Rita's like, eh. so Jay goes downstairs and he goes to check it out. And all of a sudden Rita's upstairs by herself and she starts to hear up the stairs, footsteps coming up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And so she thinks it's Jay, but then it's silent. Nothing comes up. And then a few minutes later, Jay comes up and Rita's like, did you just come up the stairs a few minutes ago? And she's like, nope. And Rita's like, did you hear the toilet flush downstairs? And he's like, yeah, that's what I just went to go look at. And we're just like, let's get out of here. <laughs> and and there have been a few other people. I'm sure there are some waiters out there who have had some experiences here because if I was a comic, I mean, I'll probably die and haunt this place. This is so cool. This is like the yeah, most monumental cool. place for me right now. Like this yeah, is so cool. For sure. So now we know yeah. where to find you. And like, <laughs> a few blocks away, there is a like cat <laughs> I took her in for a drive by because she can't go inside we started like lapping around and I was like what's going on we already went down this street where I thought we were parking and she's like I'm just seeing what's around <laughs> okay so when I was here on Thursday I did a walkthrough and I was like oh like this is cool and then I start driving past and I'm like oh well this is even cooler crumbs and whiskers what is this <laughs> So that's where the after party is. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to, Sonica. Um, yeah. We that's are that. so glad you guys came here. It means so much to us. It's Seriously. really, really special to us. We um, we did do a raffle. So people who sent their ticket proof to us, we did a raffle. And we picked a winner. And Corinne yes. got a gift. Do you yes, say about from it? my favorite store spirit dancer. And I brought my mom and my brother. They were part of the selection process. So we got you like a little ghost buster kit. Mm-hmm. So is Catherine Hernandez in the 
crib? Yay! Hey! Woo! Come up here. You can get this. Do you want to come grab this? <laughs> <laughs> so you can use this like immediately probably because you're going to go home with something. <laughs> you don't catch STDs here. You catch ghosts. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Woo! Boo! Um, before we go, we really wanted to take a photo with um, as many people in the audience. So if we could maybe get the like, house lights on and then take a maybe selfie with you guys in the background. Let's panorama so we can Ooh, get everyone. How, how do we do that? I'll show you. It's the one thing I know how to do. Okay. okay you start like this. You, Fuck, we can't. Okay, never mind. We have to do normal. <laughs> we'll just do a bunch of them. Okay. Okay, thank you guys so much. Thank for you coming. so much for coming this was tonight. Like the coolest thing. Thank you. And we will see you on the, the other side. Gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining us here at the World Famous Hollywood Improv. For future information on tickets and events, you can always check us out at theworldfamoushollywoodimprov.com. Please make sure you close out your tabs and you can exit through the double doors. You can make your way out to the front bar or the mural patio outside. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful night, everyone.